everybody and welcome back to the mindful you podcast my name is alan carroll and i am your host as we travel the mindful path together and today we're lucky to have marcia martin return to us Marcia has been described as one of the most prolific influencers on the who's who of the most innovative minds and thought leadership in the last 40 years. She was a pioneer in the early days of the transpersonal conversation. I've known Marcia for over 50 years, and she's deeply immersed and involved and bringing mindfulness, compassion into the, the world. Our conversation today, we touched on many things. We talked about generous listening and listening without resistance, listening from a being perspective rather than an ego perspective. We talked about various practices of meditation, and we both agreed that the, uh, the, the, let me say, the number one practice of mindfulness is when you begin to close your eyes, become still, and meditate. And so Marcia shared with us many of her experiences, so I'm happy to bring Marcia back again to the Mindful You podcast. So please welcome Marcia Martin. Marcia! Welcome back to the Mindful You podcast. Um, it was exciting to be able to talk to you in the past, and it's exciting to be able to talk to you in the present. And Thank you, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored that you invited me back. Oh, you're you are a beacon of wisdom out into the darkness of the world, Marcia. So having you on the podcast is like having having a a, a a, a light shining brightly uh, to be able to illuminate some of the areas that causes psychological suffering in, in people. And one of the areas that is a, a big source of, of a lack of knowledge, lack of awareness, lack of benefits is the area under communication. And we're going to call it listening the ability to listen. And in one of your workshops, Marcia, you had made a distinction. And the distinction was that when you listen to anyone, anyone, you want to listen with ears called a generous listening. Mm. When you were describing it, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I like that. I like that because in my understanding, I'll let you jump in because that's your concept, is that with generous listening, there's no resistance. 
And with any other type of listening, it's filtered through some sort of screen of resistance. And we want to get to a place, I believe, on the journey from the ego to the being in which you don't have resistance to what is, uh, is, my, is my shot at it. Uh, and so, Marsha, I want to give you the baton and let you ride a little bit around the racetrack, talking about listening and generous listening. Okay. Well, generous listening is a special topic for me because I think results are a function of what's heard, not necessarily a function of what's said. And so, okay, good, 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 good. That, that's, that sounds like one of them big statements that needs to be repeated a couple of times. Would you just go slow over that one, please? Yeah, results are a function of what's heard, not necessarily. Give me an example of that. Not necessarily what's said. Well, if I tell you to, um, I'll give you an example in my life. I'm in this restaurant. Yeah. I see that there's a Caesar salad on the menu. And so I think to myself, oh, I wonder if they have bacon on that Caesar salad, because sometimes they put bacon bits on Caesar salads. And so I don't want bacon bits on my Caesar salad. So I asked the waitress if there was bacon on the Caesar salad, and she said no. And so I said, okay, I'll take a Caesar salad. So that was what was said. Now, what happened was she listened and then she came back and she gave me a Caesar salad with bacon. <laughs> and I started laughing, laughing. And as we communicated to each other, she said, oh, well, I thought the reason you asked me if there was bacon on it was that you wanted it. And what I thought was asking her if it was on it would be enough to be able to say, you know, don't bring me any bacon. So it's not just what I said. It's what she heard. Yep. And what she heard was the result that we got. So that's what I mean by results are more of a function of what's heard than what's spoken. So I think listening is a really big topic. And people don't know how to listen. So I want to just say something about this generous listening, because it entails a lot of things that you and I have learned about uh, from our earlier, earlier mentors in terms of there's space and then there's things in space. And if you consider those are the only two things that exist in this universe, space and things in space. And the law says for anything to exist, it must have space to exist in. So when you think about space, think about people, there's internal space and there's external space. And we lots of times see some of the things in the external space that are between us and another person. We can kind of notice that there's a breakdown, there's something there. What we don't always see is when our own space or somebody else's space is filled up internally. And so things that fill up our space, because again, there's space and things in space, only two things. So fear, our beliefs, our language, our thoughts, our assumptions, our regrets, our resentments, um, all of those are things that fill up space. And when our internal space is filled up, it's hard for us to listen. We can't listen 
because there's no space in which we can hold the thing that's being told to us, things and space. So one of the key things that I think human beings need to learn is how do you empty space? Mm -hmm. Because you need to empty space of the person that you're speaking with in order for them to be able to hear you. And you need to empty your own space. You need to be able to clear out all the things going on within you so that you can hear or have space for what they're saying. It's beautiful. Really. That's really very nice. And and what I've found is there's a little trick that you can do with your mind to conjure up the notion of generous listening. Because generous listening is when you have a lot of space for someone else. Now, when do you have a lot of space for someone else? Well, usually when you think that they're brilliant. Or if you think it's possible, whatever they're saying. But we usually don't listen that way. We don't listen as if the person is brilliant or as if what they're saying is possible. We listen to agree or disagree. We don't listen to allow whatever's there to just be there and have it be okay that it's there because human beings collapse these called allowing, which is receiving, and agreement. So if we've collapsed that, and I think that when I'm allowing you to show up whatever way you show up, and I give you a lot of space to be brilliant and whatever you're saying to be possible, if I think allowing is agreeing, then if you say something I don't agree with, I have to push it back. So the first step to getting somebody to understand what generous listening is, is for them to uncollapse the concepts of agreement and allowing or receiving. So I can allow something to be there even if I disagree with it. In other words, I can disagree with what you're saying and give you lots of space to say it. And if I give you lots of space to say it and I'm with you and I'm allowing you to be whatever you're being and to say whatever you're saying, then there's a big room for you to express yourself. But if I kind of come to the situation as if, well, there's one way, it's my way. And so I'm going to watch to see if you agree with me or I agree with you. And then you're either wrong or, you know, I have to interrupt you and tell you why you should say something else. Well, the thing that allows us just to kind of be generous is to pretend the person is brilliant and what they're saying is possible because that's how we listen generously to a child. If you think of a little child, two years old, three years old, you know, those munchkins aren't so cute all the time. But if you ask a parent, their kid is the cutest thing on the block. It's the most brilliant. It's the most amazing. And they tell that to the kid, right? They say, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. You're so brilliant. You're so, you know, they're giving them lots of space. That kid could be putting a turd in their hands. And the, and the parents will say, that's amazing and brilliant. Oh, my God, you did that so well. That's called a generous listening. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, so I, I, I allow you to say what you just said, and I, I don't resist what you had to say. So I'm, I'm not judging uh, what, what you're saying. 
And I know in mindfulness, uh, they talk about definitions and there's different ways of defining mindfulness, but there's there's one that always seems to be present. It's that's being able to to be in the moment without labeling the moment, to be in the moment without judging the moment, to be able to listen to you. And even though you say something that I may have been trained or my experience is different, I'm going to allow that communication to exist, even though it's a threat to my to my self-concept of my identity. Um, and so I, I I think the ego is is a judgmental kind of a energy and a being is more of a generous listening, a, a letting go, a surrendering, a giving up of my point of view. And so does that make sense to you? And add add the icing to the cake here. Okay, very good. I love what you said. And how I look at it is the being is um, who you are and the ego is what you have. So it's not the difference between an ego or a being. The being's always there. And then whether or not your ego is, which is something you have, just like you have emotions and you have feelings and you have an ego. And we have all of those things for a purpose because sometimes we need to have an ego in order to survive. And sometimes we need to have an ego in order to have confidence. And sometimes we need to have an ego. But if our ego gets in the way and suddenly we forget who we are, we think we're our ego. Well, then we're going down a track where we forget the beingness that we exist from and the connectivity that we have with the universe. And so things kind of get perplexed in our problems. But I would say that a person listening is what you're saying. They're not resisting. They're allowing whatever's there. That doesn't mean that they agree with it. They can still disagree with it. But the 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 trick to communication is before you can say whatever your feelings are to the other person and have that other person even get them, they have to have enough space to receive. And before they're going to have space, they have to let go of the thing they're trying to tell you. And if you don't allow the thing to be there the way it is, or you resist, you're really pushing it back. So you're not getting it. So it's not creating any space in that person to be even able to receive whatever it is that you have to say after you've received what they had to say. So it's not like you need to agree or disagree when you're getting it. You just need to get it. And then you can consider it. And then you can have a brand new communication, which is a response to what you just heard rather than a reaction or a resistance to what they were trying to say. Yep. Yep. I find that the, uh, the uh, resistance, uh, the point of view, being able to, uh, uh, you, you said that part of the, part of the, the challenge is that the listener needs to create space for themselves by unloading grievances, complaints, issues, opinions. Uh, those are things in that space. And, and how does one unload 
things that I've carried with me for my grievances and issues that I've carried my entire life. That I, that is what I believe to be true. How how do I even know they exist inside of me? Uh, let alone let them go, and then how do I let them go? Excellent. So there's two skills. One is your capacity to empty out or create space for someone else. And the other is to empty out or create space for yourself. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a special way that we are able to create space for ourselves. It's called being still. When one is still and connected, when one closes one eyes, when one goes into a meditation, when one takes our brainwave to a theta state, then the natural um, law of the universe allows us to empty out. We get more space just by being still, just by being in a brain state of theta. It's kind of what the work that the universe does when we're asleep. Uh, but most of us do things to our bodies that make us not sleep when we're sleeping. And also, you know, we eat too late, we drink too much, we have too much drugs, whatever it is, you know, we exhaust ourselves to the point of, you know, total exhaustion, so we can't even rest. So there is this thing that the age, age old and, and thousands of year old sacred people have been telling us forever is to meditate. Spend a few minutes by yourself with your eyes closed, contemplating, meditating. Walk in nature and don't talk. Be still. See if you can just be still, just to be. And most people need to close their eyes to do that, to be able to focus on something besides their outside world. Well, when we do that on a regular basis, which is what all the mindfulness training is really about, then we automatically clear out our own space. We're able to let go of things. We're able to forgive. We're able to apologize. We're able to clear up all of the stuff that we're holding on to just naturally. We also have the capacity to be emptied out by someone else. In other words, if you have someone you trust and you go to them and you say, I'm really perplexed about this. I'm really angry about this. I'm really sad about this. I just want someone to listen. I just want someone to get it. I just want someone to receive. And then we are able to have that kind of communication where the person actually does receive and listens generously, then that's a way we can empty ourselves also. But truly, the way you most effectively empty yourself is to get a consistent discipline of meditation and contemplation. To empty someone else is a different kind of skill set. To empty someone else, you have to be willing and able to be in present time. So most people aren't present when they're listening. They're figuring out what they're going to say next, or they're thinking about what you're saying that they don't agree with and the rebuttal that they're going to give you in the debate after you take a breath so that they can put their little word in. So to be able to be present with someone and just let them go as long as they need to go to get it out. And most of us haven't really developed our patience so our attention span is very small. We can only be present for about five seconds. And then, you know, our mind goes wild and we think about the past and we worry about the future and all of that stuff. So it also is a matter of discipline and practice. And there are communication exercises, as you know, that one can begin to train their mind. 
you're in charge of your mind, you're in charge of your thoughts, you're in charge of your mood, you're in charge of your emotions. But most people forget that and then use it as an excuse when they want to be something other than the highest self that they could be. You know, it really justifies my being uh, a bitch. If I can say, well, I just have no patience. Like my patience is running me instead of me running my patience, right? So it's those two skill sets. Getting to empty ourselves is really the the best thing to do. The highest form and the most effective is to learn to meditate. And learn to listen is a practice where you learn to discipline yourself to stay in present time and be with the person rather than being with your thoughts about why they're wrong. Lots of beautiful words there. Uh, The... Uh, people have points of view that are conditioned from the time their mother told you the way it is. Uh, they they bring this point of view, and it seems like often, even more so now, uh, people's point of view seems to get offended. People get offended. Uh, hey, what are you talking about? I mean, to the point that they shoot people. They, they do things that on airplanes, yelling, screaming. In my earlier life, Never, never was those kind of things uh, happening at the rate that it's happening now. And so I am being able to meditate, uh, being able to close your eyes, being able to become absolutely still, no vibration at all. Empty, empty space. Uh, yeah. I'm a. I, I totally believe that unless you, Sadhguru's talked about, you got to go in, in order to get out. Yes, Everybody right. wants to get out. Yeah. No one wants to go in because yeah. the the entertainment is out. Uh, and yet, my observation of doing it and your observation of practicing is that you need to to bring stillness Mm. into every moment awareness Uh, in my the way i look at it is uh, aeration Mm. aerate the ego is this clunk of gunk uh, and what we need to do is aerate it Uh, and every time you become still there's no vibration there's no agitation it's calm you can breathe. Yes. You, you can breathe. My God, if you could just breathe, that would be wonderful. Yes. <laughs> oh, because in order to breathe, you got to be present in order to breathe. Otherwise, breathing is automatic. Yeah. Um, uh, I, there's there's a, a phrase, and, and uh, it's just so nice because you got so many great words. Uh, <laughs> recreation causes disappearance. Yes. You probably said that 50 years ago to me. Uh, so go ahead and, and 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 let's let's unpackage that. What do you mean recreation causes disappearance? Especially in listening, it's like a, if you can just recreate. What what does that? How how would you explain that to to the audience? That's great. Before I do that, I want to just respond to something you said about um, point of view. Because what you're talking about when you have a point of view is you have a belief. Mm -hmm. 
you look at something a particular way, that's all a point of view is. You're looking at it from this angle or that angle. But when it turns into a belief, then it turns into I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you have to resist. If someone could get that a point of view isn't right or wrong, it either works or it doesn't work to produce a result. So if I go ahead and do that one again, Marcia, because that's right. Wrong is a big issue. So if there's a if there's a way out of that bear trap, (laughs) let's say it again at least twice. Well, most people look from it's right or it's wrong, but that doesn't do anything to change the result you're getting. You're going to get the same result and it's either going to be right or wrong. But if you look at it from it's a point of view, and so is looking at life this way, having this point of view, having this particular principle, having this particular value, having this particular belief, if I could look at it a different way and have a different result, well, do I want the result that I want, or do I want to be right about the point of view that I have? And I'm just at a point in my life where the result is worth more than my particular being right or wrong. So right. I don't look at things as if it's right or wrong. I look at things as if, did I get the result? Oh, I didn't get the result I wanted. Hmm, I better look at my point of view and see how I'm considering this and see if there's a different way to look at it and take a different point of view rather than getting stuck in some belief that somebody told me just because it was their point of view. I am sure out of the 7 billion people on the planet, I didn't get the one mom and dad who had the right answers. So I mean, I mean, it's just statistically improbable. (laughs) So maybe those points of view and beliefs could be thrown out just because, not because they're right or wrong, because that's hard to throw something out if you think you're right, but because you realize hey, you know, thinking about it that way doesn't work. Maybe I should consider thinking about it a different way or looking from a different point. And you and I both know that whatever your point of view is, that perspective actually creates, in reality, what occurs for you. Just like that picture of the old woman and the young woman that is in the same picture, but you have to look at it one way to see the old woman, and then you have to look at it another way to see the young woman. Well, isn't it interesting? Both pictures exist at the same time, but only one shows up for you in any one instant, depending on how you're looking or where you're looking from. And that's like life. In the universe, it's not that there's something wrong or right. They're both there, the old woman, the young woman. It's not that it's scarce or it's abundant. They're both there. But which one shows up for you? Well, whatever shows up for you in reality is determined by your perspective. It's not real first. You have a perspective first, and then reality shows up for you. So I just wanted to kind of throw that right wrong into the point of view and just make people aware that all a point of view is is somebody's belief that you bought. And the real important thing is, does it work? Are you having in life what you want to have? Are you feeling what you want to feel? Are you experiencing what you want to experience? Is life working out the way you want? Well, if it's not, get a different point of view. And then to go to your question about recreation, the easiest way I've found to describe this is kind of like, it's kind of like if you take plus one and minus one, you get zero. So 
if somebody's sharing something, they're creating. And if you can be with them at the same time and recreate what they're sharing exactly the way they're sharing it, rather than saying to yourself, well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, that's wrong. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, I agree with that. So I'll let that in. Oh, I better tell her what's, you know, that's not recreating. That's what you're saying is judging. But if I can recreate at exactly the same time that they're sharing, it disappears. In other words, they don't have inside of their own space what they're sharing with you. It's almost like they threw you a tennis ball and you caught it. And then you put it in a basket by the side of where you're standing and you don't even have it either. It's just gone. But what's left is space. Yes, yes. And in that space that that person has, because you recreated and disappeared the thing that they were holding on to, whatever emotion or belief or point of view or statement, then there's some room for you to now respond and then actually have some space to get what you're saying. Because again, we're back to the first law, which is there's space and things in space. So if you want something to exist, you want something to get you, you better create some space first for them to get it in. And that's why I always say first uh, in communication is center. Get yourself in present time, be open and connected. First move, center, then listen, then speak. And people usually just speak first. So when I watch speakers, I look at their physical body mm. and you turn the sound off and and you can watch, you can see someone who is anchored and grounded, yeah. which requires you to be able to put your thoughts over there for a second and shift your perception to, to your physical body. Don't shift your perception to the thoughts you want to speak. You shift your perception to the the physical body and and in buddhism they refer to that as embodiment mm-hmm. and so that's definitely my observation also marcia is that you got to get present you got to get i call it anchored balanced centered uh, in the moment um, yes. and in order in, in other words to become still yes. and if if you could just do that <laughs> yes. that one Miracle. move yes. it would it would cut the the connection to the thoughts and allow you to manage the body and not be concerned about the thoughts. So the body becomes senior to the thoughts become junior. But right now the thoughts are senior because the thoughts are important because I'm important and the body. Well, actually, I don't know what the fuck the body is, but I, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to cut that one out, but. Uh, uh, every once in a while, it's okay to keep it in. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. So I, I totally, I totally, uh, because you got to be present. But but being present, it, it, it means for me, it's it's like you're erasing something, <laughs> and you're erasing thoughts. And in in yoga, they talk about Raja Yoga, Raja mm-hmm. Yoga, King Yoga. Well, what's Raja Yoga? Ah, Raja Yoga is the meditation piece. It's not the body. It's not the breathing. It's the it's the managing the thoughts that you're thinking. Um, and my observation is, if you can manage the thoughts that you're thinking, those thoughts are what you are conceiving in your mind's eye, 
which is then projected out into the world. So what you conceive in your mind's eye and what you see in the outer world, exactly the same. Um, so if I can't change the outer world, but I can change the inner world. But the only way that I know how to change the inner world is by, is by meditation. It's like you have to yeah. play with the thoughts. You don't, you don't spend time watching thoughts because what you were saying before, what, which reminds me of what I wanted to say, is that, oh, yeah, you want to watch your thoughts, be aware of your thoughts, be aware of the emotions. But that requires you to do something that most people can't do. And that's to develop the observer, the witness yeah. to, the, to the, the movie, the big movie. So I'd like you to, to shine some light on that, the observer piece, the witness piece, as distinct from I'm, I'm in it versus I'm, I'm, I'm in the movie theater watching the show. I'm not the show. I'm, I'm in the movie theater watching the show, eating my popcorn. Perfectly still. Yes. Well, that's a skill set that people need to develop. I always tease people and I say, you know, life is a joke. But you have to be able to stand back far enough to see the punchline. Because when you're in the middle of it, it seems pretty serious. It doesn't yep. seem to be that funny, you know. But if you can stand back and watch yourself and observe kind of what are the thoughts you're having when you get triggered or when you're upset, what are the behaviors that you actually do? Begin to observe those and see the patterns and and then ask yourself, well, what triggered me? What threw me into that pattern in the first place and become more aware of that? Then the more consciousness you have, the more awareness that you have, the more expansion that you're going to evolve into in terms of your consciousness, and then you're going to have more choices. And the more that you kind of exercise that muscle of what did I just think, rather than in, in and even more than that, instead of what did I think, what are the thoughts running through my mind? Because it's not me thinking. It's just thoughts that are, it's like a radio playing, right? Yep. Well, what automatic thoughts come up when somebody tells me no? What automatic thoughts come up when somebody tells me I'm wonderful? What automatic thoughts, you know, and you begin to see the patterns of how you are. Yes. I remember when I was a young girl and I was being trained to be in present time. And we did that um, by having a partner and saying the word hello. Because we were being trained, as you know, to sell books door to door uh, in the early days before the trainings happened. And that's how, you know, most of us were trained. And the person would tell us if we said hello in a way where they got that what we meant was what we had communicated was, I see you there, here I am, greetings. And if we communicated anything else, when we just said that one word, hello, um, because, you know, think about it. When you say a word, sometimes it comes across like you're mad. Sometimes it comes across like you're sad. It's not the word that communicates. It's you communicating while you're saying a word. So I remember this one time and my trainer was saying, okay, no pass, start, no pass, start. And I would say, hello, hello, hello. And then she said, oh, wow, that was really good. It was like you were on a stage being an actress. And then I just totally was like caught up in it. And I was like, 
ready to say thank you. I did such a good job. And she said, or maybe you should just get off the stage you're on. And I realized, oh, my God. And it just cut me down, right? And I started observing myself as if, you know, I am like an actress a lot of times. I am out there, you know, doing my shtick. And then started observing what my shtick was. And did it work or not? Or was I just caught up in myself? And so that gave me that outside observer to observe a pattern of mine that I hadn't seen before until somebody had helped me see it which is what coaching is all about. Somebody lets you see how you are in action by giving you feedback. So I, I totally agree with you. I mean, life yeah. is a joke and you have to be able to stand back far enough to see the punchline. And that means have an observer of yourself. Don't just look outside and see what's happening out there. What's happening inside too. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are the behaviors that you automatically have? What are the patterns of those behaviors? You know, start, investigating it's a pretty fun puzzle to unravel it is it is that's one of the things about meditation is that i i you close your eyes and eighty thousand thoughts pass through your mind a day <laughs> uh, of which you don't remember none of them uh, but they're real important but they're all disappeared and to be able to uh, observe those thoughts uh and 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 make the thoughts disappear. I uh, what I notice is that as I find myself thinking, oh, it's like waking up. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about something. Immediately, I notice that there's tension. No matter what I'm thinking, there's tension in my body, and so the, and so the thinking that you're thinking and the tension in your body is something that's real clear to me after doing this for a long time. And so I want to yeah. be tension-free. Uh, and that stillness is tension-free. And I find that, um, I, I forget which guru said, but 98% of the physical things going on with your body are caused by the thoughts that you're painting in your mind's eye about whatever it is that you believe to be true. And if you could aerate, create spaces mm -hmm. between the thoughts that you're thinking through transcendental meditation, just saying a mantra over the thought makes the thought disappear. The mantra appears, and then all of a sudden you're thinking about something else. They say the mantra and the thought. Dis so you keep making the thoughts disappear, 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 disappear. And pretty soon you're able to do what you said. You're able to respond rather than react and most people my observation don't know that distinction don't know yeah. that there's a difference between responding and reacting all i know is that you're wrong and i'm right and you got to get this handled you know so i'd like to complete uh, the podcast today by having you jump into uh, just adding more space to the concepts of the the concepts of reacting to something and what that means and responding to something and what that means and take the baton. Excellent. I love this subject. Well, first of all, I know everybody has a time in their life where they've been upset 
mm-hmm. or they've been angry or they've been sad. And um, what I call those times is when you're off center. It's when you're, and I define centered as it's when you're open, connected, and present. Present, open, connected. You're here now, so you're not thinking about the past or worried about the future. You're in this moment, allowing whatever is here happening to happen the way it's happening instead of thinking it should be different. But it isn't different. It is the way it is. We don't go out and say, water, you should not be wet. We actually allow water to be wet because it so is wet that we accept it. And everything just is that way, except the way that we accept it is different. Sometimes we don't accept that somebody has just said no to us and and we want them to change their mind. So we resist what they're saying and we keep fighting it. If we would allow it and accept it and surrender to it first, we probably have a better chance of having them change their mind because you have a better chance to get to the place you're going from where you are. It's the only place that you can move from. So if you don't accept the way that it is, that's a silly move. So here we are, open, present, and connected. Connected is like I'm realizing I'm in the world and everything is connected. So it matters how I move. It matters what I say. I don't talk and speak and move as if I'm the only one here. Everything is at the effect of everything else because we're all connected. So that's present and connected. And then open is where I'm willing to consider something. I'm not closed. I'm not pushing away. I'm open. Mm -hmm. So first centered is present, open, and connected. From that place, you can choose. And response is a choice. Now, there's another thing that happens. Something happens in our life outside of ourselves, whether it's a thunderstorm or somebody says no, or we don't get a promotion or there's traffic or we're going to be late for a meeting or whatever's happening. And that thing that happens triggers us. People think as if the thing makes us something. We say, oh, he made me angry. It made me sad. It caused me to do this. Well, it's not true. There's just events happening around us, and then we have choice. But if we're asleep, and that's what triggered is. Triggered is when something happens, and it triggers an old memory that you have. And usually it's a memory from the time that you were born till you were 10. Because how the mind works is it thinks it only has to have that much information, and then it knows everything. (laughs) So we just we just pretty much make all our current decisions based on what we learned up until we were 10, right? And we keep those little incidents, the mind keeps them in case it needs them to survive. And so the mechanism of that survival kind of help for us, because it's supposed to be a help, is that if something out there looks like, sounds like, feels like, tastes like, smells like or whatever, or we think it might, is like that old thing, then the mind says, oh, it is it. And then the mind does a special thing. It puts you on automatic or a default, just like a computer program. You get to choose your default font. 
And when you've got a program, <laughs> that's the way the font comes up. No matter if you wish it were different, it's still going to be that way till you choose a different default. And so how the mind works is something out there triggers or reminds you of something else, and then it goes on automatic, and you go on automatic acting out whatever way that you handled that particular thing in the past. So if you got angry, you're going to get angry. And if you got afraid, you're going to get afraid. And if you got, you know, antagonistic, you're going to get that. And if you got, I'm going to please you and plead and help and beg and you get that. And so that's a reaction. In other words, it's an automatic thing that you do. It's not a response because a response is a choice. And that's why I say, because trust me, everybody, we're going to be triggered every moment of every day with something. You know, it's just a, it's like you're going down the river and you can't change the river. So you better learn how to stay balanced in the boat. And, you know, you're going to get off balance. You're going to get off center. We'll get ready to get back to center quicker than you did last time. That's the good game to play. Can't try to be centered all the time, but at least notice that you're off center and get back to center. And then when you're at center, open, present, and connected, you're not on automatic you're not acting out, you actually can see what happened and then you can respond. And that's a choice. So that's the difference between response and reaction. Woohoo! Wow. What, what golden nuggets. It's like going mining <laughs> and finding all these golden nuggets. Uh, and it's so much fun to be with. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I want to complete the podcast, but I also want to plant a seed for the future because as you were talking, a thought passed through my mind, and I, I wanted to develop it later. And the thought, and the thought had to do with uh, being able to uh, uh, pass through my mind. It disappeared. And maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll come back. Maybe, maybe we'll come back. I, okay. I, I, I got it. It came back pretty quick. Okay. Uh, as you were talking, it's the distinction between. Uh, uh, knowing and not knowing, listening to this moment as if I know nothing, or listening to this moment as if I know a whole bunch of stuff. I know a whole bunch of that. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. And so yes. the, the not knowing piece uh, seemed to be what you're talking about, uh, where I I'm not pre I'm not prejudiced on on what's going on, and I think that. Uh, people who are asleep are on automatic and are prejudiced, which causes a lot of psychological suffering to them and to the world yeah, around us. Sure. Um, and so I'm just so happy to be able to have a conversation with, with, with Yoda, uh, uh, to be able to uh, share your wisdom because Marcy, you've been working on this conversation for, for decades and to be able to articulate the abstractions. It's okay to have the abstractions, but not not everybody can articulate clarity the abstractions that gives people goosebump bumps on their bodies. And so you are you are a being who is brilliant, uh, and I don't have to make that up. Uh, is brilliant uh, at articulating the the word of God, uh, because. From the Course of Miracles, God cannot do for you what God cannot do through you. And you are sharing through your speaking uh, a healing energy 
that will will reduce the psychological suffering as you practice the the meditation, the stillness, the recreation. And so I want to thank you uh, on behalf of our audience for sharing your wisdom with us again uh, today. Thank you. And thank you very much for being on the Mindful You podcast, Marsha. And I look forward to our, our next conversation at some time in the future. Excellent. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.